Well, good morning once again. Welcome to Grace Bible Church. This is the time in our service where we take communion together. This is also known as the Lord's Table, and as we do this, if you are here and you do not have a Bible, we would love to put one in your hands so that you can see God's Word with us. And so we have men who are going to be coming down the aisle, and if you need a Bible, just go ahead and raise your hand, and we will get that to you. As they do that, please open up your Bible to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Everything in our culture, in our Western society, pushes us away from contemplating death. It's very rare that someone is eager to engage in a conversation about death. And if you want to make a conversation instantly uncomfortable, which I know how to do in several ways, one of the ways to do that is simply to ask the question, have you been thinking about death recently? Yet God calls us to contemplate his son's death. We are to regularly keep before us the reality that Jesus died, how Jesus died, and why Jesus died. And while regular contemplation of one's own imminent death, if not a Christian, is most likely crippling, the regular contemplation, the regular remembering of Christ's death is freeing and comforting. Why? What makes Christ's death different? Well, let's let God's word help us understand what makes Christ's death so unique. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews 2, starting in verse 14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives what makes jesus death different jesus death was a conquering death Every other death was a death of defeat, but Jesus' death was a death of victory, a victorious death, a conquering death. This death was unlike every other death because this death rendered powerless the one who had the power of death. This death wasn't a death leading to bondage, but a death leading to freedom for all of those who know Jesus. Now, Look, at, look again at the beginning of our passage. Verse 14. Since the children shared in flesh and blood. Who are the children? Look up at verse 13. It says, Behold, I and the children whom God has given me. This is Jesus. The children are the ones whom God gave to Jesus. And because those had flesh and blood, Jesus also partook of the same. This is the incarnation. 
Jesus became a man, fully man and fully God. And he had to be man to offer himself up as the perfect sacrifice on behalf of men. And he did this for all whom the Father gave to him. Jesus tasted death for everyone who was given to him by the Father. And it was through Jesus' death that Jesus would rout the devil. When we remember the death of Christ, we don't remember only an event that impacted that time and those people. We remember an event that bears weight into all of eternity. If you are a Christian, your eternity has experienced a 180-degree turn because of Jesus. And Jesus will be the focal point of your worship for all eternity. This is the good news of the gospel. Through that event where the God-man took upon himself the wrath of God for all who would believe and conquered death by rising from the grave, he rendered powerless the one who had the power of death. Jesus rendered powerless the devil. Jesus disarmed the devil and stripped him of his power over the children, over all those who are Christ's. And if you are a child of God, the devil no longer has power over you. What does that mean? What does it mean to render the devil powerless? That is, you are no longer enslaved to sin. Isn't that wonderful? And now for all that are his, there is no longer to be fear of death. Because of Jesus, we are no longer under condemnation. And what should be the most terrifying event, the most terrifying thing for every individual, and that is to stand before a holy God condemned in our sin, is now what we long for as we know we have a perfect Savior who died as a perfect substitute in our place. So that when now God looks at us, he sees Jesus' righteousness, which has been gifted to us, and we are accepted by the Father. Where once the imminence of death was terrifying, we now long to be with our God. Jesus did this. Jesus accomplished this. But it was costly. The greatest price. The servers are going to come in just a few moments and they're going to serve a a piece of cracker, a a piece of bread, and then also a, a small cup of juice. And these are reminders for us. There's nothing supernatural in the crackers that we serve or the juice that we serve, but what it does is it, it's to act as a, a reminder, a remembrance for us to remember the cost of our salvation, to remember Jesus' body that was crushed and to remember his blood that was shed so that we might have forgiveness of sins. Remember the cost of the forgiveness of sins and where sin comes to mind that you have not repented of. Now is the time. Repent and remember Christ's great sacrifice. Remember the forgiveness Christ has given to you. And if you do not believe in this Jesus, 
then I would plead with you to consider what you have heard. Consider our Savior, Jesus. Consider your need for him. Consider his work alone that is your only hope of being able to stand before a holy and just God and repent. And then join us in taking and remembering Christ's sacrifice. But if, if you will not, clearly this is a time for believers to remember their Savior. And if he's not your Savior, then we would just ask that you'd let the tray pass by and not take the bread and the cup this morning. But please, please talk to somebody more about this gospel, about this good news. Men, come serve us. As you receive the bread and the cup, you can take them on your own this morning as your heart is prepared.